Welcome to Talking Giants presented by DraftKings and John Boy Media. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. We got a fun episode, man. We just Yeah. We just, we just got off the phone with Rich Soybert, so look forward to that, or Zoom, I guess. And we finished it off with some good laughs, so I'm excited for that. I mean, we are la- I mean, you know, the whole, you know, joke about us being a pro gun violence pod, I was very close to like saying it and I shut myself up, but it it was a fun interview. You know, we talked about uh Coach Flaherty. It was a fun interview. But Justin, how are you doing? What a fun time. What a fun time kind of re reliving some some glory days of 07. Um, Bobby Skinner almost uh, <laughs> there. There's one point in the interview, and if you're really listening, if you're really like an acute listener, you're gonna hear Bobby Skinner at one point wants to say we are pro killing podcast. It's towards <laughs> the end, so don't skip to the end. But just I don't I don't want people looking for it for 30 minutes. Be like, when's he gonna say it? Um, so it was a fun interview talking about his career, talking about Coach Flaherty. Yeah, it, it it was fun. I this is a o, talk about O line us being O line people. This is a freaking O line episode. We got Rich Soybert on the Giants hired Pat Flaherty. We're gonna talk about Nate Soldier opting out or, or saying he wanted to play, which we got news of on Friday, which feels like ages ago at this point. But the Giants got Pat Flaherty. I am so freaking giddy about this. Oh, we have to do uh, an ad before we do this, real quick. Go check out the new Chris Rose Rotation podcast for John Boy Media. Um. And here, I haven't asked you guys to leave a review for our podcast in a long time. And I'm not going to ask you now. Leave a review on theirs, on the Chris Rose rotation, and say Simple Man Radio. Mention Simple Man Radio. Everyone that's listening to Simple Man Radio did it. And I know this isn't that funny, but I just think it's going to be so funny when the company is looking through the reviews and they see Simple Man Radio mentioned like 25 times. Yeah. That's going to be so funny. And, And we'll... We'll do we'll do some type of like social media reading that or something, or maybe we'll do it on Simple Man Radio on Friday. Um, look, reading the review, so make them funny, and we'll read them on 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 Simple Man Radio on Friday. Um, go check out the Chris. It's gonna it's a cool podcast though. He's got six different major leaguers: Trevor May, Glasnow. I mean, he's he's got a a legit rotation. Not not salty that he has NFL Network connections and. We haven't even talked to him yet. Well, he's got to come on Simple Man Radio. I've been tweeting at him. Ah. Simple Man Radio will be unsuspended by the time you're <laughs> listening to this. And I can start tweeting at him again. Just um, harass Chris Rose, who has no <laughs> idea who we are within our own company. Um, but it's a good podcast. I listened to it today, so go check it out. All right, the Giants hired Pat Flaherty. If you don't know who Pat Flaherty is, who's Pat Flaherty? Well, he's an offensive line coach. Now, he's not hired as the O-line coach. He's hired as an advisor, but he's going to be working with the offensive line coach. And that name sounds familiar because it is. He was the Giants' offensive line coach from 2004 to 2015. Came in with Coughlin, basically left with Coughlin. Was there for two Super Bowls. You know, we talk about it with Sorbert. Like, those guys love Coach Flatch, Coach Flaherty. So, um, he leaves there, goes to the 49ers in 2016, the Jags in 17 and 18, obviously a Coffin connection. Then Dolphins 2019 was fired bef- like a week in the camp, for, and then Coach uh, DeGuglielmo took over. Um, and in the past two years, he spent at Penn State as an analyst. We can break down this, you know, uh, you know, part like part by part. But Justin, I am so giddy for this hire. Like they have Rob Sales, the O-line coach, Wilkerson as the assistant, and now you have... Flaherty, who's just going to come in and 
I think he's going to work on these guys' technique. You know, where it's scheme. I really do think he's going to work on these guys' technique, especially the tackles. And you want to know something? He watched, you know, like you, you know how I watched all the rookie tackles? He watched every snap of those guys this year. So he knows our Andrew Thomas already. And if he knows Andrew Thomas, he knows the left guard that's playing next to him, whether it's Lemieux or Hernandez. I am so excited for Pat Flaherty to get in here, Justin. Yeah, Soybert's going to talk about the kind of guy he is, the kind of coach he is, so you can get, look forward to that little that little insight. I first have a little bit of a joke, and then I guess I can get kind of serious. Um, the more people we can hire and promote around Jason Garrett, the better I feel about our chances this year. It's I, I like guess it. it's not a joke. Is that a legit take? No, that's a legit take. But this is a pro Jason Garrett podcast for one episode. For one episode, this is a pro Jason Garrett podcast, yes. But, I mean, so, okay, so that is a legit take. You know, Giants offense was not good last year. So this is an unbiased unbiased thing about say. Giants offense was not good last year. So bringing in pretty qualified people, you know, even promoting Freddie Kitchens from, you know, being a, a tight end coach to being almost like, you know, an advisor of the offense and then same thing of Pat Flair to being like an advisor with the offensive line coach um, and the offensive line group. More people we can have involved in this process for collaboration, which it seems like Joe Judge is a fan of collaboration, self scouting, self evaluation, and that's really uh, so. Here, so here's so here's now actually my serious take, and not just me trying to spin a joke. Joe Judge has always talked about. I talk about. We talk about all the time about Joe Judge's self evaluation, his ability to self evaluate, and how he talks about it. Like this is that in practice. Like he's he's practicing what he's preaching. In terms of, I constantly want to have other people around me letting me know and letting, you know, informing the process of what is happening in the building, which is an awesome thing. It's truly a collaborative process. You know, a lot of people preach that. Joe Judge is real, real deal with that, where Patrick Graham is his assistant head coach. Um, you know, Kitchens is in his ear. So it truly is a collaborative process. Um, and and I, I I'm just really giddy about this. Let's let's talk about Flaherty a little bit. So he was fired in Miami. Uh, a season a week into training camp, basically. Essentially, what was reported is that he wasn't implementing the new system the way they wanted, and they said it was an issue back to spring. Now, I wish we could have more details on what exactly that means. Um, but at least he didn't try and fight Brian Flores when it, the news happened. So yeah, didn't didn't call him C next Tuesday. So. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh, did you call your former coach a see you next Tuesday? This is one of the job uh, qualifications of Joe Judge. No. Okay. On to the next round. Guess who doesn't have a job right now, by the way? Um, anyways. So, I, I don't know what happened with that, but th- that is where he um, basically spent his, his last time. But he was with Penn State the last couple years as an analyst. I don't know how big of a role that was. But what's interesting there is, guess who else is from Penn State? Sean Spencer, who was the D-line coach. And if there's any two position coaches on the opposite side of the ball that spend a lot of time together, it's the O-line D-line coach. Like, those guys are spending a lot of time together. Now, I know he wasn't the official O-line coach, but, you know, he's an O-line guy. He was working with the offensive line. So there's some continue, you know, there's some rela- relationship there. Um, and something a lot of times, like, with these kind of hires, where it's like, oh, he's an offensive line guy, he's but he's brought in as an advisor. A lot of times it's to help with the other side of the ball. It's like to scout the other guys. Like, this is what we know that you're deep, like, you know, that, uh, you know, Dalvin, like Dexter Lawrence, we know this is what he does. And when it's these situations, we know, like, 
picking up on tendencies. So I really do think all around this is going to be a good hire. And plus, just Coach Flaherty's a good offensive line coach. Yeah. Everyone who spent time around him loves him. Um, think he gets a bad rep, especially for the latter years of what was that offensive line. Um, and, I mean, the, am I saying that? Trying to just bring up a caveat, but then also probably most of the people remember how he formed, the, you know, how the process of forming that 2007 line, basically all the way to all the way through like 2010. I would say those lines were pretty strong, and then 2011 they got a little weaker. But I think you he gets a bit, he may get a bad rep because of how he ended his time with the Giants because of how bad those lines were. Um, but just looking at the talent at what he had to work with, if anything, I think he I think he got more out of the talent. You know, Justin Pugh. Um, was was pretty darn good with his positional versatility. Uh, Weston Richburg had positional versatility there too for a second when those two guys were healthy. Formed Weston Richburg into a really good center after he was a guard his rookie year. Um, didn't we? Didn't Flowers' didn't we, best year arguably was his rookie year. Yep, and he had a and he had an ankle issue that that year, and that was with Flaherty. And also the whole David Deal playing guard tackle going from left side to right side. You know that was with Flaherty. Um, so. Awesome. I'm I'm very happy. Can can we see a Mark Schlereth and uh uh Colombo broadcast booth? That would be something I'd be very interested in. Well, Colombo go just do stupid screamo band thing. Um, very good singer. I don't I don't I don't I don't like how you disrespect him as a metal singer. Um, and do you want to know if this guy is passionate about it? He watched every snap of the rookie tackles, which yeah. by the way made me feel really freaking smart because he said the exact same things about Wills. Beckton and Thomas. He said similar things to you. The exact Act. same things. He's, exact he made same me things. feel so smart. I'm so smart. Maybe maybe he subscribes to Talking Giants. He clearly edited that video that you posted on iMovie, and I thought it was funny. Maybe he literally just watched my rookie left tackle breakdowns, and that's where he's getting his information from. Bobby, Bobby, I think you may be right. You know what? That may be, be what he is. Maybe he doesn't watch every snap. He did say he watches every snap. Mm. Um, but maybe he just watches the rookie left tackle videos. No, he wa- he did worse, so no, I'm wrong. But that was pretty cool. It's like this guy already has seen every snap of Andrew Thomas. I can't. I'm so excited for Andrew Thomas. I really am. I think he's can we be- whisper for the rest of the opening segment? Well, it would be like Silent Library, which we'll reference later in the show. Can we? I I don't want to talk about Nate Solder. Can we whisper about him? No, we're not. We're, no, we're not. We're not. We're not. We're not doing a shtick. Let's see. Anything else? Now there is a lot of cooks in the kitchen with the offensive line. Like we mentioned, Ben Wilkerson as the assistant, sales Good metaphor. Uh, as the O line, yeah, and then Freddie Kitchens, like Freddie Kitchens is gonna Even be working with the metaphor. run game, like he's he's gonna he's gonna be. Uh, I thought that's what you were were uh, were going at. Um, it was good. He's gonna be working with the offensive line as the run game coordinator, so they got a lot of guys um, to work with there. So it hopefully it works out because you know what, if you look at twenty twenty as a whole, it was a bad year for the offensive line. Now it got yes. better. Um, but it, 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 uh, I do think I do. I, like I said, we said in our online review, I think we have some of the pieces and you know what? I think Shane Lemieux is going to make a jump forward. Well, Hernandez made a jump forward from year one to year two. Rich Soiber talked about it. Like his first year, giving up two sacks in a row and, and one game, like, and then him becoming who he was. Like, I I can't wait to see how these young guys grow. I'm going to whisper one more thing. All right. Hey, hey everybody. The Giants run game got better. When Joe Judge actually had people that he has connections with, when he actually allowed them to do stuff for the offense, that's when the Giants' offense got better, and not Jason Garrett. Oh, I didn't say that. 
I didn't say We're that. We're a pro Jason Garrett pod for one episode. Nate Solder. Nate Solder news. I don't want to spend... It's been... Like I said, it's been three days since this happened. I got a little amped up because it's... You know how it goes. The, the further you get away from something, you, the further you, for, you... The more you forget about it. I don't think... I don't know if they'll do a post-June 1st cut because we were talking... I was talking... I actually called Research Rick because I was like, can you please explain this cap stuff to me? Because I was doing the vid- making the video. If you do the post June first, you have to keep his salary on the books, which will stop you can stop you from making sixteen million dollars worth of free agency Correct. or six mil because of what his dead cap is. So I'm probably leaning more towards a you just cut him, you know, cut him now. <clears throat> but unless Nate Solder comes in on a contract where obviously he has a signing bonus, but it gets restructured into you play however you get paid for how many ever snaps you play. If he wants to come in and and play have a real competition with Matt Parrott to be the right tackle, and then I'm fine with it. But other than that, I am not paying. He stinks, and to think that <laughs> him taking a year off, I feel bad for the guy. I really do. Like he's an awesome guy. We you know we we do have to preface this every time we talk about him because it's real. Like the stuff his family has went through. It's it's I couldn't imagine. But he's he's not good, and him taking a year off. Admitting to not really working out and conditioning the way he usually would, switching back positions to right tackle, which he hasn't played, you know, since his rookie year in New England. And you know what? We like Parrot. And if if these old if this, these O line coaches are supposed to be real deal, like Parrot should be able to be fixed, like get better. Um, I I don't want Nate Solder on on the twenty twenty one Giants. I'd rather have Cam Fleming. I really would. Like I'd, yeah, I'd feel I, I more agree. comfortable with Cam Fleming in twenty twenty one than Nate Solder. I, I, I 100% agree. G- our, one of our listeners, Jim, said it perfectly. I don't think I've ever had a stronger dislike for a nicer person. And it's so unfortunate. And really, I mean, if this if this isn't one of the last sins of 2018, uh, really trying to, you know, k- <laughs> kiss our ass on the way out the door, I don't know what is. You know, uh, the, the thing that I find to be so strange, you know, there's one part of me that says, dude, like the Giants made such a bad dis- bad decision to backload this contract, right? You know they were like at a win now mode, so they were gonna backload the contract for you. They made such a bad decision. I don't know why he would just willingly retire, but also no, you know he shouldn't though. Like I from yeah. the like as much as I don't want to like get your money, dog. Like right. do what you got to do. You know he may even just be bluffing. So this isn't me being like, how dare Nate Solder do this? Like, no. Like the NFL takes advantage of these players, the players should take advantage of it and get every dime they can. So this right. is that's not what I'm trying to say. But also in the same breath, it's like, dude, how can you say you want to come out and play in 2021 while also admit that you haven't done the necessary like strength training? Now I think maybe he's done conditioning. I, you know, he didn't say, oh, I just didn't work out this year and I want to come back and play in 2021. That's not exactly what I think he said, but he he's definitely just like, did. I, not what I would usually do. Which means, but also that means. He's doing less than what he said. No one says exactly what they're. And he also had like the worst year of his career, the year before. Yeah. So he did less of what he usually would do in a coming off of a year where he was literally like the league's worst left tackle. Save me with pass block win rate. He was the (laughs) league's. He was the league's worst left tackle in the National Football League. Hence why. Hence why I'm I'm whispering a lot of stuff. So we drafted Andrew Thomas for a reason. That's why we drafted a left tackle at number and four. And a right tackle. We drafted two tackles with our first three picks. That wasn't because Nate Solder was good. Before. Before we... The, I think this is before Dave Gettle even we knew. said before the draft, like, Nate Solder was bad. Like, so. Yes. 
Um, so right, like I said, I do it. feel bad talking. I, I I really don't look like talking about him because it does suck everything that he goes through. Um, yeah. There is no way that he is on the twenty twenty one New York Giants. Yeah, I don't I don't think so either. So yeah. All right, let's let's do the interview with Rich Sorbert. But before that, Justin, UFC yeah. 259 is this weekend and is sure to be action-packed with three title fights taking place in one night. DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC, is putting you in the center of this weekend's title fight with 100 to 1 odds on either fighter to land a punch during the title fight. Peak either main event main event fighter to land a punch during this weekend's UFC 259 bout and DraftKings Sportsbook will give you 100 to 1 dollars. Now, you know the three-point thing that they were doing, Justin? Yeah, huh? This is a little more risky than that, but I, I do think both guys will land a punch. Just bet $1 <laughs> on either fighter to land a punch, and if that happens, you'll cash $100. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. Don't worry if MMA isn't for you. You, DraftKings Sportsbook, offers great odds and promotions on basketball, hockey, and so many more relevant sports. Just kidding. DraftKings is safe, secure, reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code JOHNBOY when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 if either main event fighter lands a punch on Saturday. Place your bet and watch the fists fly this weekend. Watch these fists fly like it's going against the Chicago Bears. This weekend, that's code John Boy to turn $1 into $100 if either fighter lands a punch for a limited time. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. And here is our very fun interview with Rich Soybert. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right. We now welcome on to the program. First time on Talking Giants, Super Bowl champion, part of my, you know, my football heroes in the offensive line that probably stayed together longer than any offensive line ever. Rich Soybert. What's going on, Rich? How you doing? Uh, you know, just enjoying life, right? Trying to uh, figure out kids' schedules and uh, COVID regulations for everything and, and and living life to the fullest. So I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Of course. I, I have an envy. You know, it's it's cool what you're doing, but I, you know, I'll see you post about, you know, your your athletes and stuff. And it's like, man, that's got to be a pain in the ass trying to, like, get these guys to practice and, you know, uh, behave, you know, like, the, like um, actually, work within the constructs. I mean, I, I, I have a hard time doing it myself, so I couldn't imagine. The kids actually uh, – they just want to play, right? So coaching these high school kids, it's um, they did everything in the right way. I think uh, some teams that the kids were going out to parties and stuff, they got shut down a little bit because of COVID. But um, my guys wanted to play. My guys worked hard. Um, and then obviously once the season ends, right, you get your seniors that want to go on to college to play. So you're always working for them. You're always trying to find uh, the, the right fits for everybody. And I, I enjoy it. I enjoy the game of football. My son's on the team, so it makes it uh, a little more enjoyable the last couple of years. So um it's uh football's what i love and i'm blessed to coach yeah i work at um st peter's prep over in um jersey city and you're obviously you know you're the coach of uh watchung hills regional high school right off of i-78 and what's really been difficult recently for our kids is is the recruiting you know recruiting and, and the lack of access to college coaches so i i really commend you know what you're doing i, I you know we work with uh 
with some kids that are going through the recruiting process right now. And it's not only screwed up for the kids this year, it's going to be screwed up, especially for the kids next year that can't, you know, that really can't get out there and can't, you know, go to different visits and whatnot. So um, I commend what you're, what you're doing in the kind of like this next chapter of your, of your career. Yeah, you're right. Right. These kids can't go to campuses and see the school, right. With the coaches. So yeah. um, it's pretty tough to choose where you're going to go to, to, to get an education for the next four years without really setting foot on campus or, or meeting your teammates or your possible teammates, your possible coaches. Um, it's tough for these kids. It's going to mess them up. I think the next two classes, right. I think the mm -hmm. 22s will, will be in the same boat and obviously the 21s are, are getting affected right now. And um, the kids are tough, right. They'll adapt. They'll find ways. Um, I always tell them all, right. Including myself when I was, when I, when I was coming out of high school that it doesn't matter where you go play, right. If you're good, they'll find you. Um, and then if, if you're good at the next level, you know, the NFL will find you too. So um, there's always a D3 kid or Division two kids or the one double A kids like myself that, that, that make it and, and have a good career in the NFL. So um, football's football, man. Have fun. These kids need to have fun, enjoy it, and every game, right? I think with the pan with, with, with COVID, I think kids realized, you know, you always saw them as coaches. You never know when your last play is going to be. You never know when your last game is going to be. Like this year, like you didn't know if you were going to play on a Friday night, play on a Saturday, play on a Monday, play on a Sunday. Um, like even St. Peter's reached out to me to play this year when we lost the game, but um, we're, we're not there yet, right? <laughs> you know, that, that, that's our goal. But uh, yes, I, I coach at a public school, you know, I don't think we could, we, we, we could hang with you guys yet, but um, it, it would have been fun for our kids to, to play. But uh, you guys found a game against somebody and we found a game against Rawway. So. Yeah. Um, high school coaches work together in the state. That's why I love New Jersey. That's why I love football in the state. Um, we all, we all find a way to make it happen. If you guys do end up playing St. Peter's prep, I vow I will fly up for that game and I will root so hard against Justin's school just to, <laughs> just to kind of needle it, needle it. Listen, listen, you know, we wrestle against St. Peter's prep where we used to, they used to be in our, um, our region or our district or whatnot, whatever right. it is. And then uh, I think basketball we can hang, but you know football's a different beast, right? Um, they're they're four or five deep. They got kids from my town playing for Pete's sake, so it's it, it's tough. Um, uh, I see some of these guys training. Um, one of the, one of the, one of the players whose father played for the Giants as well lives right around the corner from me, so I, I see his kids uh, working out quite a bit. And um, it's um, you can go to private schools, you can go to public schools, right? If you love the game of football, if you work harder than the next guy, you, you can be great. And yeah. um, I love coaching where I'm coaching. I love watching Hills. I love the parents. I love the, I love the student athletes. Um, the teachers in the school are great, you know, especially this year. I think true colors really come out this year in schools to find out which ones actually support athletics and, and which ones don't really care. Um, Watchung Hills did everything for us, right? They helped us in the summer getting, getting our offseason workouts going. They helped me during the fall um, when the governor allowed parents to finally come back into gyms. They're allowing home parents and visiting parents, which – I think that's the way it should be, right? I'm a parent. Uh, these seniors, this might be the last time they ever play. Um, I think every school should allow, you know, home and home and away parents in. And, and uh, you know, this this, this COVID has got to go away sooner or later. And, um, we, we need to go back to living life. Yeah, for real, for real. So I want to talk about your career and, and we'll, a little bit more about, you know, um, you know, the coaching career now too. But – we do have you on in a timely manner. We're trying to get some insider info out of you. So in, insider Soybert. Giants hired Pat Flaherty. Obviously, everyone knows he was your guys' coach for a long time. I mean, 11 years as a position coach is, is crazy. You know, you see guys even like Gooch, who 
was with the, you know, with the, I mean, he year to year, all kind good coaches bounce around year to year. You know, Bill Callahan's known was like the best O-line coach in the game. He's at a different place every other year. Our listeners are pretty nerdy with the X's and O's. You know, they like the O-line stuff. What is some stuff that Flaherty is going to bring to that group? Because he's obviously not going to be the the main coach, but what's some like inside info we can get out of uh, from um, Flats? That's a good question. You know, I think whatever the Giants, whatever Coach Judge asks of Coach Flaherty, he'll do. I, I texted Coach Flats, Flats last night when I saw him on Twitter. I'm like, I, I got to find this stuff on Twitter. You're not going to give me a call? Um, he called me about three minutes later. We talked about it. Um, he doesn't. He, he didn't know at the time, or he wasn't telling me. But he is going to bring many, many years of experience, right? Uh, like he said, he was with, he was coaching with the Giants for a long time. He was he was my second and last offensive line coach for the New York Giants. Um, I was pretty lucky to have Coach McNally and then Coach Flaherty come in after him. And um, he's my coach. He's he's not old enough to be my father figure, but but he was like our father figure to to our offensive line group our uncle, whatever you want to like consider him, but he's family, right? I I love him to death. I'm glad he's back with the Giants because I'm biased. I'm a Giants fan. And um, it was hard, right? When he was going around coaching other spots, like you want him to do well, but you don't want to do well against us. Um, So what is he going to bring? Um, Many, many years of experience. He's probably going to help him out uh, any way he can because that's what he does. That's going to be, you know, coaching the guys, watching film, breaking it down, finding tendencies against other teams, he will fit in great there, right? I, uh, you know, Jason Garrett, the offensive coordinator, he was my quarterback, my first and second year at the Giants, I believe, the backup quarterback. Um, I think Jason's – I like Jason, right? I like Coach Garrett. Um, I know probably some of your listeners don't, but that's that's football, right? I think he's a smart individual. I think he's, he's good at what he does. And I think Coach Flair is going to help him, right? I think they needed um, somebody with his experience to be in that room and – and especially with that offensive line being young and, and needing to grow and, and whatnot, I, you know, he he uh, he will help. And it's funny, most of these teams are bringing in these old line consultants now too, right? Like, uh, well, the Giants I mean, tried to. The Giants tried to with Gouge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, but knowing Coach Flats, he he's not gonna be that guy, right? He's not gonna try to take somebody's job. He's gonna be the consultant. He's gonna help out where he is. He, he's gonna know his role. Um, he's one of the most honest coaches I ever played for, right? He, he, he's a sh- straight shooter. Um, he'll tell you, he'll tell you if you suck, he'll tell you if you're good. Um, I, I'm excited for him. I, I, I asked him last night and I think he chuckled. I mean, who's more excited? You or your wife, right? Cause he's been, he's been at home now for a while. And, you know, being a coach in the NFL, you're really not home ever, right? You're, you're in that office for 20 hours a day during the season and 18 hours a day in the off season. And, you know, for the last couple of years, he, he's been he's, he's been around his wife more, which is great. And, you know, his son, Sean, is coaching out in Miami. So he, he had to go down there and, you know, hang out with Sean a little bit. And um, I'm excited for him. I'm excited for the Giants. Um, I think it's a step in the right direction. And um, he's obviously going to help him out. Yeah. And I, I'm not, you know, I, I, I looked up the role he had at Penn State as, as an, I'm not sure how in depth that was, but what, I've found out from just doing some, you know, research of what he's been up to in the past couple of years is how much he like, you know, he's an older guy and he still loves the game. Like he breaks down like the rookie, you know, the rookie tackles that came out this year, including Andrew. He watched every snap of those guys this year and broke them down and had like, like analysis on them. And like, like said, like, Hey, I watched every snap of these guys. So I'm excited that he can use that love and passion of the game and experience. Like you said, back with the Giants because it, it just feels right having him back. It is, right? I don't think he's ever stopped watching film. Um, he came to uh, a handful of my football games too, right? 
and he would he would break down my coaching and he'd break down my games and I love it right because um he knows more he, he knows more about football than I than I ever will right so um I respect his opinion and you know he, he may be better as a coach he may be better as a player and um I'm hoping he enjoys his new role with the Giants and um it works out well for those guys now, knowing that he spent so long with the organization, but also knowing the Giants went through a couple coaching changes, did you ever get an inkling that he would ever be back with the Giants in some sort of capacity? Did you get that kind of sense that he wanted to be back or that he would somehow find his way back? I think coaches just want to coach, right? They just want to be w- with a team. And it's just like playing. You know, um, there's a few people in the world that are lucky enough to play with one football team and, and not have to move around and pack bags, move families, Um you know, he, he did that as a coach for say, right. He was with the giants, went to San Fran, Jacksonville, down in Miami and then back up here to New York. Uh, I think he's happy to be home, right. He's um, his, his wife obviously stayed in New Jersey. His kids, kids made this home. And, you know, I think, you know, if you asked him, New Jersey is his, is his home now. And he, he went to East Strasburg. So it's right down the street. Um, you know, some of his, well, his, his old quarterback is still a coach at East Strasburg. And now his, you know, coach, coach Twiggs, his son, He's the head coach at ESU, so I always joked. I'm like, well, if you can't get, you know, back in the league, you'd always go coach for uh, East Strasburg and maybe be the kicking coach or whatnot. And um, Coach Santel is the O-line coach there. It, it's a really good group of guys, right? It's East Strasburg's at this little small coaching niche, which Coach Franklin is from ESU, and I think that's how he ended up at, you know, Penn State, helping advise at Penn State for that year is because of Franklin and ESU ties. Is he happy? Yeah, I think he's happy to have a job, and I think he's happy to do what he loves, and I think he's going to be happy, you know, being back with the Giants and – and, uh, you know, coaching the team where he won two Super you know, he helped win two Super Bowls at, and, um, you know, it's got to be a special place for him. Yeah. So enough enough about Flats, though. We are, we're all here to interview you. Uh, we'll talk about your career. But first, I want to ask, who had the worst, like, competition slash treatment on Silent Library? Oh, my gosh. That's a long time ago. Um, <laughs> I know. I rewatched it again, to, uh, you know, like an hour ago, getting ready. You know, you know it's funny. Uh, I wasn't I wasn't an MTV guy right back in the day, so I don't really know what the show was. And I think Kevin Boss is the one that actually had the ties to get us on there, right? Those tight ends have... Makes sense. The guy catching passes is the one. The guy catching time. passes, right? Getting all the pubs. So, um, we went on there. It was it was fun. Um, obviously, we had a couple of drinks, maybe before or after. I can't remember when, but... Um, that was right after, you know, a, a few good years we played together. Um, I think O'Hara, right? The the tennis balls in the face. Those right? were like, whipping his no, ass. He, no, <laughs> nobody knew nobody knew how fast they were going to come, right? And the, when the first one hit him in the uh, – the Mastic game was just a piece of plastic. There was no, yeah, oh, yeah. There, you know there, he could feel it, feel it through that thing. Yeah, there, was, there was no padding on it, no foam. It was just a piece of plastic against his face. And when the first one hit him and knocked his head back, like literally almost, well, I don't know what I can say in your podcast, but like, go for it, go for we it. Almost, we almost pissed our pants, right? Like, uh, <laughs> we, we were laughing so hard. And obviously, we, we lost that challenge or whatnot, but, um, and then like three or four of them just kept nailing him in the face and his head was flopping back. And he had like marks on his face for like days. So, <laughs> like you said, there was no four and five on Silent Library. There was no, there was no cushion. It was just like the plastic almost made it worse because it was just hitting plastic into us. Like, I, I couldn't believe how fast those things were coming out. And, you know, and then Tolleson, like he's a D lineman, right? He couldn't drink that. He couldn't drink the shake, which I thought was kind of a wuss move by Dave. But he does play D line, so it's understandable. <laughs> I I feel his pain because I was like I said I was rewall. I hadn't seen it in years. It was Carly. 
and I was re I was rewatching it. I I texted Dave and I was like, man, you had by far the worst treatment. And then I saw Sean get bean with those balls. But I, I, I think I still go with Tollison, man. I, w- I would rather get pelted in the face 10 times than drink uh, what they tried. And then what O'Hara and then I think Deal drank it afterwards. Yeah, Deal uh, drank it. Oh, Deal is crazy. I think, you know, the, the worst one for all of us was drinking the maple syrup, right? So what happens after you drink whatever, a gallon of maple syrup? We this was like a hazing thing they did back in football, and I think it just destroy, doesn't it like just dest- destroy your insides. I can't I can't remember if it you makes shit for a week. Or, yeah, yeah, okay. All right, so we, we all we all went out to a restaurant afterwards, and I, I think O'Hara probably right. He's, he was a prima donna of the group. He picked the restaurant. It was, it was a nice little Italian place. Uh, like none of us could eat. Right? It, it might I forget what it was named, but it, it was a good place. But then we had one little bathroom, and there was five of us that went out after that show. And the revolving door in the bathroom was nonstop. I felt bad for every other patron in that restaurant because that bathroom must have been bad. That's brutal. That's yeah. brutal. And yeah. I, like I said, the other patrons, uh, I mean, you guys are all six foot three to six foot six, you know, yeah. with deal. I don't um, I don't eat pancakes anymore because maple syrup I can't eat. And you can't eat pancakes without maple syrup. So no more pancakes. That's brutal, man. That's that stuff kind of stuff scars you. Um, Did they yeah. allow you to keep the bunny ears? That's my question. No, I, I had the easiest ones, right? Let's be honest. Um, yeah. One of them didn't air because it was really, it was really simple. I had a squid hanging down from my hat, and I had to flip it up into the bowl, which I did on the first try. I'm like, that was easy. And then eating the carrots, um, I don't think you can eat physically eat that many carrots in a minute, right? So I think I was a lost cause, anyways. But um, I don't mind hot food, so the Tabasco and the pepper stuff was fine for me. I, I, I was pretty easy. Well, I wanted to transition to your career next, but since since we're on it. Have your players seen that uh, yet, or are you, are you hiding it from them? Uh, social media, right? So these kids find everything um, every year, right? Some, I think, some like I think they all talk about it. Like, hey, who's gonna bring up? Who's gonna bring up the sideline? Everybody, coach. Um, one of them will bring it up, right? One of them will start laughing. One of them will show me the clip on his phone. Um, but that's that's part of coaching, right? I I, I love these kids, and <laughs> there's a lot of worse stuff that I could have had on social media too when I played. And uh, I always. I think we're all glad that we didn't have social media like it is now back then. Right. But, um, yeah, it's fun. Right. They find all this good, the good pictures, uh, the good, uh, missed blocks or whatnot. Um, everything is somewhere they can find. So, uh, you know, I'll be talking about, uh, I'll tell them stories. Right. I remember my worst game I ever played probably was, uh, we played Seattle in 2002, my first year really playing. And I gave up back-to-back sacks, right? So sometimes when an offensive lineman is struggling on my team, I'll, I'll tell them that story and how I wanted to walk right out of that tunnel in the old stadium and walk into the locker room, get my shit, and go home because I knew I was going to get fired, right? Um, it was John Randall, and the second one was against somebody else, but I just overset him, underset him. So they found those clips, and they showed them to me. I'm like, I That's don't brutal, man. I thought it'd be I like, don't... oh, look look at Coach eating the carrots. They're bringing up sacks. That's mm-hmm. there's, thought... there's, there's a couple I... things in life I don't want to watch anymore. The San Fran playoff game in 03, I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to see it. I don't want to watch it. Uh, that one, and then the playoff game in 2008, right, when we lost to uh, Philly. That's saying like you don't want to hear it. I don't want to. I don't want to think about that either. That that was brutal. Although, what makes me feel good at night is I don't think anyone's beating that Tampa team. Um, uh, the the next week, I know you. I know I would have. I would convince myself that the Giants would have, but that Tampa team was just unreal when you look back at it. They weren't that good. Come on, we. I think they're the best defense of all time. But we were scoring points now that year. Yeah, we were we were scoring thirty some points a game at the end. There, we were rolling. We went into uh, Indianapolis. We beat. 
you know, Peyton, what we had to get that win. And then we scored all those points against San Fran and we couldn't score again before. So um, was everyone though. <laughs> Oakland was scoring points, but listen, I, 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 I predict the Giants are going to win 77 to zero every week. So I would have, I would have definitely predicted them to win that one. I'm a little closer. I'm always like 21, 17. You're there you go. Okay. <laughs> That's good. It's, you know, we joke and I think it's just like the mind of an athlete. Like, like I, like it's a joke to do it 77 to zero. But part of that is I can't predict the Giants to lose. Like I always like, this is the path to victory that like it's, it's impossible. It's so hard for me to be like, I think the Giants are going to lose. It's just something about like the, yeah, you it's both. just athlete brain. It's like, there's always a way to win. And part of that was you guys in 07. I mean, you got, you know, from week 17, you know, that winning or that, you know, three point loss in new England, which, you know, looked like the best team ever to that playoff run. I think, uh, that probably that probably changed the way I viewed it a little quick, bit too. Quick thing about that game, I'm glad you brought that up, Bobby. I view that as now I'm a, I'm very young, okay. I'm <laughs> I'm very young, but that is at least uh, you know take it from 07 that point. That was the greatest Giants game in terms of entertainment value that I have seen from start to finish. Do you, when you're when you're playing this is even a question when you're playing a game are you are you thinking about like, wow, this is like a, this is like a really good football game just in terms, not in terms of, you know, maybe like just competition wise, this is a good football game, stuff like that. Are those things kind of ever running through your mind or no? No, actually not. Right. You just said it. And I was like, no, I, don't, I never thought like that. Uh, looking back now at the games, right. You, you can watch it with, you know, my kids or whatnot. And um, you said, oh, that was a really good game. Right. Like, yeah. Now I look back at the Carolina game, right. In 08, well, if we won, we clinched the, the NFC, right? Mm-hmm. That in my mind, that was a good game, right? We ran the ball down their throats. Uh, we went to overtime. D Ward broke the, broke that one off in overtime, and then Brandon Jacobs scored. I think Brandon scored right at the end. Yep. Um, that one was, in my mind, one of the greatest games I ever played at Giant Stadium, right? Because I wasn't here for the the year prior um, in 2000 when it was the Super Bowl. I wasn't here that year, so. Uh, but for me, that, that, I think that was the the loudest I heard that crowd, right? That, 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 that was cool. Overtime against Carolina, um, fighting for the number one seed. Um, it was pretty cool. Um, you know, the new stadium. Looking back at it now, yes, you say, oh, that was a really good game. Oh, that was a shitty game, right? Um, that's that's easy to say, but at the time, we never thought about it. Yeah. So, we're, we're they've reminded me, we're talking about, like, in-game mindset. So, you know, so people, everyone's different, but most people get – have some type of nerves before games and then especially for the big games, but they seem like, you know, every, every person I've talked to and, and my limited, you know, you know, um, athletic ventures, it's like, once you start playing, those all go away. You're just playing. So Super Bowl, that like, you know, obviously you like everyone has nerves before the Super Bowl, that fourth quarter drive though, was there like a nerves before that? Or it was like, let's go, let's go do it. You know, you know, we're no, in the street and give a speech and we're it was, going. It was, let's go do it. Right. I think, Forgot who said it. I know it's in the papers, but you know, somebody said prior is like, "Would you rather be down by three with a minute left, or be down by four? And I think if you're an Eli, offer, Eli, yeah, Eli, right? Yeah. And, and I, I think that's how our old team was, right? I think you'd rather have you'd rather go down and win it, and go down and kick a field goal and tie it, right? So if you're down by three, the coaches are thinking, "Hey, we got to play for three, right? We don't need a touchdown. We don't need to win it. We can just get a three and tie it." I'm like being a competitor, right? No matter what you do in life, like. You want to win the game. You don't want to tie no damn game. I don't want to kick no field goal tied up. I'd rather be down by four and win a game. And um, yeah, it's funny how things work out, right? Down by four and we uh, 
the offensive line gets beat and Eli makes a hell of a play and Tyreek catches it on his helmet and we score a couple of plays later. Um, but no, you're, you're, you're no, no more nervous playing that game once the game started than you were any other game, right? Um, now getting to that game, right, building up to it the two weeks and it, it, it might have been the longest two weeks of my life, right? Um, being away from your family for so long and then them coming down in Arizona a couple of days prior to the game or whatnot, not really seeing them too much until after the game. And, but I'm sure, you know, we just, the O-line just did a podcast and you forget about stuff in that game, but you forget about, you know, when somebody on their team said, hey, you know, after we beat you guys, you can come to our party. It'd be more fun. Um, you just don't like, I don't know, I, I, you know, speak with us, you know, speak soft, carry, carry a big stick, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever that saying is, don't, uh, like, why would you say that shit playing a football game? It's just going to piss the other guy off, right? So I'm glad it worked out our way. Aren't we all glad it worked out our way? Like yep. that was it was a fun, that was a fun game and a fun night and a fun couple of weeks. And, you know, looking back at it now and it was, it was just on TV, you know, the whole thing was, and I got to watch with my family and it, it, was, it was cool. Right. It's, um, you won't forget that one. Yeah. And it was a uh, coach Coughlin that said, you know, talk is cheap, play the game. I feel like it was big in 06. And I feel like it was even bigger in 07 yeah. and arguably one of the biggest changes that happened from the 06 to 07 season was Tom Coughlin's kind of transformation of his mentality. And we're currently reading a book on another show that, that I do. It's a Giants history show. We're reading Tom Coughlin's book uh, where, that he wrote on the 2017 uh, A Team to Believe. And he talked a lot about his transformation as a coach to be more caring and considerate of his players. Talk, so with that transformation that Coach Coughlin did, talk about that both as a player, like at the time, how you were feeling, and now as a coach yourself, how impactful was that change in philosophy that, that he had that year? How impactful was that to you? It, it was, right? I think being who I am and where I came from and my position that I played, um, it never bothered me the way he was when, when he first came to the Giants, right? Like you, you heard the horror stories from other players where in Jacksonville they had a regular really team, but nobody liked him because he was too hard. Well, guess what? If you show up on time or five minutes early for whatnot, just set your clocks five minutes early. It's, it's not that hard to do. If you work hard – right and give it everything you have every single day for for your for the team that you play for for your boss for 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 the livelihood like tom respects you right coach coffin will respect you um so how did he change right um i'm sure it says in the book um i truly believe he changed because he had grandkids right chris knee right had some kids and he started you know seeing hey you know there's more to life than just football right like yes i love football just as much as coach coffin loved football but i think he realized that we all loved it just as much. Just, you know, some of us handled it in different ways. And um, it's funny, he, he came in there in 2000, give me the year, I'm going to forget, 2004 or five, right? Yeah, four. Uh, that's, the, that's the year I was coming back from my broken leg. So I don't want pins and needles because I'm not even playing. I'm getting treatment. Um, and it's it's me, Ron Dane, and Jerry Palmieri, the strength coach and Coach Coffin, right? we're the only ones coming in to work out every single day up until everybody else had to report. This is back when we could actually do stuff in the facility, right? Now, now I know with the CBA, you can't be around, blah, blah, blah. So me and Ron Dane used to come in every single day from when the season ended, whenever that was till everybody else reported at the end of March. And we lifted five days a week and in the snowstorms, I remember Ron would call me up. He's like, Hey, you going in today? I go, I don't know. The roads are kind of icy. Like we just, and then we want to go in and they would call us and say, you're getting your asses here to work out. So we got in our car, we drove through the snow and we came to work out and, and Tom would, Tom would walk through. He never said a word. Right. But I, I know he was, he was, you know, taking a look at how we were working out. And, you know, the next year 
I like being early. Like I still like being early for everything. So I'll get to the, the office first and I'll be sitting on my desk reading the newspaper or whatnot, having coffee. And he would walk by and I would say good morning. Second year, he'd say good morning. And then the year he, you know, made the big change, like he actually knew us, right? He, he, he knew about our families. He talked to us about other stuff besides football. Um, he showed us his personal side and um, it, it made a difference, right? Like I still played hard, but you know, I wasn't going to play harder because he changed. Like, I, I played hard because I love the game of football. Um, but I think because he changes now that I have that love for coach, right? He's, he, he's my coach and I would, I would do anything for him. And um, I love playing for him. I loved everything he brought to the table and the toughness he, 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 he put in me and, and all that good stuff. Right. You know, coaches could have moved on when you're coming into a new job and you have a guy that's in his third, fourth year that shattered his leg and, and he gave me a chance to play again. So uh, I respect him for that. And I would, you know, do anything for the guy. You uh, did you adapt Tom Coughlin time at a? Uh, I'm, I'm still on Coach Coughlin time. You can ask the kids like coach, right? Um, listen, be on time, right? I don't care if it's five minutes early or if it's if it's eight o'clock and if it's eight o'clock, don't be late. Don't be late to class. Don't be late to Zoom meetings. Don't be. I, I think you were this, five minutes early to this because you were like, oh, he's in the room is, now. So my I clock like is. I was waiting for the text message, right? Because you guys told me you were going to text me prior to nine o'clock. I'm like, when's the text message coming? Um, but. I think that's with anything in life, right? Like be on time, be accountable, uh, do your job. And um, if you do that, like you'll have a job in life and make money and have a good life. And if you don't, you're going to get fired and you're not going to play. You're not going to have a job and you're not going to do good in life. So um, the whole five minute early thing is blown out of proportion. Uh, just set your clocks. Like in his mind, he couldn't say 7.55. He had to say eight. In our minds, you know, we had to say, hey, it's 7.55. It's not eight o'clock. Um, it's silly, but it, you know, it's so, funny how old, that stuff gets, it's funny how that stuff kind of gets blown out of proportion and I'll liken it to Joe judge, like, you know, the whole running and lapsing. Now do most teams do the running and lap thing? No, but compared to practice running a lap is like the easiest thing you can do. Like with, with the time you run one, you know, one lap compared to, you know, four or five reps, you know, against a defensive tackle. Um, obviously, you know, that's a little more than you're doing, but like, that's that's way less strenuous than like any kind yeah, he, other yeah, drill better, you're doing yeah, besides you, watch out. you might get some old vet right that doesn't want to do a period or something he's like hey i'm just gonna jump off sides like <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> what we have this next i don't like that period um no that's cool right like there's there's a thousand different ways right uh don't punish people with running right that's the big thing in high school uh, well, well you got to punish them somehow you can't just not let a kid not go to class or not do their homework or or talk back to a teacher or talk, you know, you got to run them. That's, that's coach judge does it. So why can't I do it? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> you, it's fine. I guess I, the rules I, I, are I'm pretty sure I could play. For, yeah, I'm pretty sure I could play for coach judge. Uh, he seems like a tough, but fair coach. Right. I think that's what we all want. We want a tough, but fair coach. Uh, you know, you can't be tough and not fair. You gotta be tough and fair. Treat everybody the same. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, Barkley Jones or the 10th lineman in, 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 in that meeting room. Right. Treat them all the same. Treat them all the same. I want to go – since you're talking about that, I want to go back a second because this is something I meant to ask. So, Colombo, you know, we won't revisit that, but the guys liked him. Like, he was one of the guys, obviously, you know, played a long time. Like, those play, like those the offensive linemen, those guys loved him. And then Gooch comes in. Um, he was with you guys for a little bit too, right? Yeah, he uh, was. He was uh, He was assistant all-line coach with Flaherty, yeah. Yeah, so he – I mean, he's a, he's a hard ass, and he – you know, he doesn't – it's – He's, he'll say it himself, like very like the polar opposite. Um, 
and some gay guys may have not really liked him, but like you said with Coughlin, it's like you know you you earn his respect. What kind of uh, personality does does Flats bring to the table? Firm but fair, yeah, right. Um, I think firm but fair is, is the only way to say it, right? He'll he'll tell you when when you're wrong, and but he'll love you up when you do it right. He's like he's never gonna like I don't know what his job was to be the Giants, but when he was the old line coach, like he would never dog cuss us on the sideline. Right. right. Like he would save that for the meeting rooms and do that behind closed doors or do it individually, which I respected. Right. Like the last thing you want is you're, you're playing in the Super Bowl and you get beat and you get your coach screaming at you on the sideline. Right. And you got fans in the, you know, people like you were sitting right behind us and saying, Oh, look at there. So I was getting his ass chewed out by coach Flaherty. He's on the hot seat. Um, but um, I, I love coach Flatch. Right. I think, you know, his wife would make the, the, the bomb and desserts for us on Thursdays and bring them in and, I asked him, like, hey, are you going to bring in some uh, some of those uh, whoopie pies for the other coaches tomorrow, or are you going wait, to wait a couple weeks? But um, firm but fair. Um, and I, with all that knowledge, right, like any coach that's on the offensive side that has any questions about anything could, could probably go to Coach Flaherty, and he's probably seen it, heard about it, or, 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 or coached it, right? So um, he'll help those guys. What are some of the, the best Eli pranks? That uh, that you've that you've been part of or that you've witnessed that Eli did to us or we did to Eli. Oh, whichever one's gonna whichever make one. make our listener both actually. <laughs> well, the best one is um, I'm I'm not gonna say any names right because I don't want to incriminate anybody because I don't know if his wife still knows who did this. We always had family. Well, Coach Coffin had family day with the Giants. I don't know the year right. It's been too many years. But somebody took his cell phone during meetings because you couldn't have cell phones at meetings. We took it. We went into the old line room or tight ends room or running backs room. I'm not going to tell you who it was. And we said, hey, it'd be really nice if you came to family day because all the other wives and kids are coming. And then she wrote back something like, you know, we talked about this last night. You don't want me to go because we don't have kids yet. So I, me and my sister made an appointment to get us in a spa in the city. It's like, well, it'd be really cool if you came because I don't want to be the only player without his wife here. And they put the phone back in his locker after practice on a Friday or Saturday, she was walking down and he was walking up and he goes like, what are you doing here? And she goes, <laughs> that's oh, brutal, man. right. So like she, she ended her day. She came, we brought, you know, but <laughs> it, it was a rough couple of weeks. Right. But it, <laughs> but it was all retaliation for what he was doing to us. Right. So things people, people think Eli wasn't clever, but like uh, we all heard the story, right? So week we had, whatever Super Bowl year we had green ties going to Green Bay he took our shoes going to the Super Bowl and gave us dress shoes that were painted purple right and Coach Coffin made us wear them because he had to wear dress shoes right there's nothing so you're fine he would mess with our cars in training camp right he put Vaseline on them or whatnot Mm -hmm. so we always we always went different ways right I think the one that I chickened out on and all the guys still make fun of me is Thanksgiving time and I'm glad I didn't do it now because we got our asses kicked we were going to Denver Remember, Denver kicked their ass on Thanksgiving, and I went to one of those turkey places in New Jersey, and I bought a turkey, a live one, and I was going to put it in the meeting room for the quarterbacks. And I was like, if I put this live turkey in the meeting room, I'm, like, I'm probably going to get fired by Mr. Mara, right? He's going to be pissed. There's going to be a <laughs> turkey flying around there. So then I was going to put it in this car, right? I'm like, what if I just put it in this car? But I'm like, huh, then the turkey's going to die, and I'm going to have all these animal lovers on me, right? So I'm like, <laughs> I can't. I can't put it in the room because, you know, Mr. Mara, we all near Coach Golf, I'm really upset. Uh, put it in the new bubble, right? Like put it in the, the practice facility. How cool would that be? You're going out to a walkthrough and there's a turkey in there. I'm like, eh, Mr. Bear might get mad. So I, I gave it to my buddy. He raised it. The thing lived for like seven years, 
right? Um, so I felt good. The turkey that was going to get his head chopped off for Thanksgiving got to live for seven get, was alive for seven years. But there's a lot of, you know, Eli, we had fun with Eli and he had fun with us. And that's part of, you know, building that relationship and building that trust with each other. And when it was time to work, we worked. But when it was time to have a little bit of fun, we had a little bit of fun. And uh, he, he liked to dish it out and he was pretty good at taking that too. I actually think some of your players might listen to the show. Like we've had people like, oh yeah, I'm friends with, you know, with Rich's son. Uh, um, so if you're listening, make sure to um, do some of these to your coach, which uh, do they ever prank you at all? By the players I coach? Yeah. I'll make them run. <laughs> well, I right, will just no. make sure you don't, you don't, my, I guess you can run the whole staff, team. I don't think. My, my, the, the coaching staff, we have fun together, right? But not the kids, not, not high school kids. Um you know, no, we, 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 I don't, there, there, there's no pranking. Like, well, you know, I tell them we're going to run, we puke, but then we just cut practice short or whatnot. But that's, that's what we all do, right? To give them a bone once in a while. Um, no pranks. Um, high school seasons are too short to, to even get into it. Um, we did prank one of my coaches, which was pretty funny. We pretended we were a girl that liked him and got a burner account or texting him all year, right? For the whole year. Oh, that's brutal. We are texting him, texting him, texting him, texting him at the last game of the season. We finally said, hey, by the way, that girl you've been texting has been us. He was so pissed. But it, that's what keeps the, um, you know, all that stress, all that stress build up in football. You need to do this kind of stuff to, to relieve it, right, to, to get rid of it and, and to, get, to take your mind off of the game for a split second just so you can have some fun. Yeah, I, I suck at pranks. Like, I always go too far where it's like this is not funny. Um, one year our coach – it was it was April 1st, so he should have seen it coming a little bit. But we went into his office and, like, hey, coach, we – we got caught doing so-and-so after track practice and um, we're all probably going to get expelled. And he's just like, he said, you got caught doing, I, and he was a, he, he was a, he, he was a pretty, he had a hot temper. So um, I realized like, you know what, these, these type of pranks like aren't funny, like making your head coach think that like his five best players are getting ready to get kicked out. You know, it's funny. You just said that. This part, so I had a kid, I don't know, three years ago, one of my better players, right? He came in and showed me a picture of a, of a baby. He goes, coach, I'm not going to play anymore. I just have a baby. <laughs> I'm going, well, having a baby doesn't mean you can't play. You can still play and have a baby, right? Like, you didn't have the baby. Your girlfriend had the baby. And then he goes, I'm just, I'm just kidding, coach. I'm like, why would you do that? Right? Well, better, <laughs> come on to me. They've before a game. We say you're not going to play anymore because you had a baby. But that, that was, he, they got me and all the coaches. I think the coaches were behind him on that one. They, uh, they laughed. The kid laughed. I laughed. Um, but that's, right? Like, you remember your coach because of that. Yeah. yeah. So, my thing is, I think – what makes me the most proud about coaching, right, is when these kids, once they graduate, they still come back to say hi, or or they, or they still shoot me that text message saying, "Hey, good luck. Hey, this is what I'm up to. Hey, this is, you know, you, you, do you know anybody in this field that you need an internship? At least they're thinking about me, right? At least I made an impact on their lives, and you know, we're trying to get the tradition back to watch on hills like it's supposed to be. And like this year, the seniors last year, they actually want to come to practice and want to be around, but they couldn't. Right. So like we're, we're finally there, but now this whole COVID thing messed it up, but uh, they'll be back. Right. Um, it, it's cool when the guys that graduate want to come back and watch the games, they want to be on the sideline. They want to be part of it. Right. Cause football meant the world to me in high school. And people always ask me if you could play one more game, what level high school football, my high school buddies, right. Your high school buddies are, are, are the ones that you, be, you, you become friends with and stay friends with the longest. Right. Like I love the guys that play with the giants, Daniel Heron, Deal and cream and, Boothy and all those guys, Tolson and, you know, talking, but your high school guys, you know, in your whole life, right? You probably went to grade school with a lot of them and, you know, you talk to them and you've been in their weddings and they've been in your weddings. And, um, 
high school. High school is where it's at. I love it. Well, you're mentioning that that brotherhood, and, and like you said, the the coach player stuff is is real. Um, but it maybe this is because I'm a Giants fan, and you know I grew up on on watching you guys. But it really does seem like you guys are a brotherhood. Obviously, you know you got you five up front, but and you mentioned some other names. Like it, it really does seem like you guys are some tight knit, like as tight knit as a NFL team could be. And one of those activities is hunting. We know some of you guys. Some you know you've brought some. Uh, of the other guys out there, who's who's the best hunter on the uh, out of that out of your guys' group? Besides myself, yeah. Besides yourself, of course. We get. Uh, you guys talked to Tallison yet or no? Probably. Thank yeah he he was supposed to come on with us for like a live stream one night, and I was I texted him thirty minutes before. He's like, oh, I'm I'm in the stand shooting ducks, duck, and I was duck hunting, right? Duck hunting. He's he's a yeah. big hunter. Yeah. So I took I forgot where we played. We got back like Monday morning, like at four o'clock, right? I say, hey, listen, you always been talking about bowling. How about when we get back, we just run and get our bows. We couldn't have them at the stadium, so that's illegal, right? A weapon at the stadium. And we, and we go out to my spot down here in Warren, New Jersey, we bow on. He's like, oh, that sounds like fun. So um, <laughs> it's the first deer Dave ever shot at. It was with me with his bow, right? And, that, and I think I got him hooked. I, I, I did the same thing for Tuck, right? Tuck, I took, we took him to a spot, uh, Targeteers up there in New Jersey, and he buys uh, he buys his bow. We, we take him bow hunting in New Jersey, and he falls in love with it, and you know, he's been hunting more than I have. Um, hunting to me is, I grew up doing it, right? My parents, my grandparents, my uncles, my, my cousins, um, my kids hunt. Um, it's just another special time, right? To be in the woods and, and to be around nature. It's, it's not about the killing, right? I know some people are against it, but listen, I eat We're everything. I, 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 eat, I, I eat everything I kill. So it doesn't matter if I go eat, you know, buy a hamburger in the store or if I make my own hamburger, it doesn't matter. Um, but I enjoy it. I, I enjoy teach, taking people for the first time. So I think Tolfson would be the best, right? Tolfson hunts a lot. Uh, prior The prior group, Chris Bober likes to hunt, right? The one of the... Bober, the, okay. Uh, Jason Whittle, I took hunting up here, you know, for the first time bow hunting. There used to be a charity turkey hunt or a fishing tournament, but they took us turkey hunting up in upstate New York. And they got guys from New England, Buffalo, uh, Giants and the Jets. That was pretty fun. Tim Green actually put that on. So it was Tim Green's uh, charity event up, up in upstate New York. And, you know, that was cool. But especially during the football season when you're playing, right? Like after a game when you just want to forget about, just take your mind off it for three hours. There's nothing better than going up in a tree, strapping on the harness and just falling asleep, right? <laughs> just relaxing because yeah. um, I could never sleep that much like the first couple of days after a game because you're all pumped up still like Tommy Boy, right? <laughs> so I'll go in the woods and play and, and try to shoot a deer. Every time I tell uh, people were interviewing this day. They look at me like I'm crazy. But when I was like, when I was trying to say we're four, like every Sunday morning before the game, whatever the mascot was, we would find a video of that being shot. Like for playing, if the Giants were playing the Bears, we'd find a video. And at first, it wasn't received so well, and then it became something people look forward to. Wait, wait, wait. what do you do when you play a team without like an animal mascot? Um, well, like the Bucks, we found we found like people like shooting down a pirate ship, the car. So shooting a cardinal is illegal, so I had to like edit it a little bit, where like people shooting and then you see the cardinal laying on the ground. Um, so we we got creative towards the end of the season. What what do you do for Washington this year? The football team? Were you get a football team? We we well we only for Washington we only did a a picture. We had a picture of George Washington and then someone pulling oh. a gun at him. So that's great. Um, yeah, like I said, everyone looks at us like we're stupid when we do it because we are. So, but what the what I was trying to get to, and we'll finish on this before the show ends up getting canceled, um, is 
whoever we're trying to go maybe with you, Toffs, and, and we'll bring a green screen and to get more creative with the video next year, you know, be like, I'm Rich Soybert and, and just like blow off the Eagles logo or something. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I, I, yeah, I can't share an Eagle, but yeah, the Eagles logo, I'd love to. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll do the logo. We won't get you in too much. You know, we won't get you fired or anything. Um, so right. we'll we'll do our best. All right, Rich, up there, up low. I'll take one of their helmets and blow it up for all I care. Yeah, that's you know what? That's what we will do. We'll we'll get their helmets and everything, and maybe we'll get like you know we'll dress Justin up in it and shoot him with like a beanbag gun or something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there we go. Yeah, <laughs> I went to beanbag gun. Probably should have went to paintball gun first. All right, <laughs> before cool. like I said, before we get ourselves in trouble, Rich, appreciate you coming on, giving us your time, um, and we'll have to do it again soon, man. All right, thanks, guys. Have a good night. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Go Giants. Thanks, Rich. Yep. See you guys. No holds bad. He he took me in the low post and won, but I think we had on the varsity. Thanks again, Rich Sorber, for coming on. Um, it's a fun interview, you know? Like, I, I thought, uh, I actually interviewed him on Simple Man Radio a couple years ago, and I was a bad interviewer, so it wasn't a great interview. This was, that was a lot of fun, especially towards the end. So, I hope you guys enjoyed it. You know, make sure to tweet at Rich and uh, tell him you loved him on Talking Giants. Um, I love seeing those tweets. If there's anything our listeners do um, that I like, it, it's seeing those tweets at, at, at our guests. Um, Can't wait to, um, coordinate with some videographers at John Boy Media that, hey, we're going to bring the green screen and we're going to simulate uh They will love that. Shooting. They would love it. Yes, I cannot wait to tell You know them. what? As much as sometimes I think that John Boy Media hates our jokes, I saw a video of John Boy wearing the Bobby Skinner Justin Pennick shirt um, the other day. Oh, fun. Yeah. Maybe he voted for us. Do, you, do we think John Boy voted for us? Well, at, tweet at John Boy. Say, did you vote for Bobby Skinner and Justin Pennick in 2020? Um, I may do would, that. Would, that might have made two. Well, you voted. Did you vote this past year? I did. Did you vote for us? I will not disclose who I voted for. How dare you ask me this question? You better. I can't believe you didn't vote for us. I was the only one who did it. Um, That's going to get all our new listeners mad. Whatever. Um, Appreciate you guys. We'll see you on possibly thursday possibly thursday we may have another interview we may um so tentatively you know i don't like to i don't like to uh, say things until they're done so hopefully we have another interview we appreciate you guys we'll see you then until then let's go big blue